Welcome to episode 96 of the Motor Effect podcast. We thank you for waiting for us. We are excited to catch up with you. We've got World Superbike update. We've got a track day update. We've got some motocross racing that we want to talk about. We've got some news. We have an article, just like all kinds of random fun things to talk about as well as maybe plans for the summer. So, <laughs> What's of left stuff. of it? Huh? What's left of it? Yeah. Well, I'm going to make the most of it as I can. Totally going to try to. While the, while the sun's still out in the east. Yeah, while it's still warm. That's my plan anyway. Let's try to keep uh, keep the summer going, keep it alive. So I'm going to start with another track day, and then that's <gasps> going to, I think, make it, make my summer more memorable. Already an addict, are we? Well, I would say maybe. I had a really good time at the school specifically, so I think that it will set me up really well to go back again. I think it's only natural that you kind of fill us in on this since we happen to be on this topic. Um, yeah, I, what so did you do exactly? I did a, <laughs> I did a introductory course. So a level one course with California Superbike school. They're based down in SoCal and it's Keith code. He's the founder of Superbike school. He's also, I believe known to be the first professional road racer who set up a training school on the track to train people how to ride the track so he started it all and that's thanks to him we have all these different track day associations and schools where you can take courses on a racetrack to either learn how to race or just learn how to ride better on the street so we decided to do css because it's a more intensive one-on-one -on -one training not versus a kind of here's the track oops sorry you know here's the track have fun try not to get hurt so they kind of reel you in and there's uh, a set curriculum and they teach you different things every time you go out and you practice those things and you talk to your coaches and it's it's far more um, hands-on I guess or more What's a word I'm looking for? Just more attentive, I guess, is the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. So imagine you're in a classroom at school, and instead of one teacher and 30 students, it's more like five teachers and 30 students, so that you get some more time with the teacher rather than just, you know, intermittent time or, or feedback. And uh, we really like, I really appreciated that because to get more individual feedback was great. And uh, yeah, just to have more time on the track and to have someone really look at me and study me every time was great. Because every time you went out, your coach would follow you at least once at least, and you would follow him at least once. So that was the minimum. And that's pretty much all he had time for. But it was only three of us to this one coach. 
So he really spent a lot of time just with us. And that right there made a huge difference, I, I think. I bet. You just don't have that time sometimes with another track school unless maybe that day or that group, not very many people signed up. So sure, if mm -hmm. there's only like half the class signed up, then okay, you'll get more attention. But this is much more focused to where if you didn't attend classroom, then you can't ride that session. So you have to come in, listen to what the um, practices, the skill practices for that session and, uh, and go practice. So it's not as free flowing as a open traditional track day, which I think many people are confused about. And everyone I've talked to about track days, they just think it's something where you're racing and you're learning to race. And it's just so not the case. Because if you start doing that, they'll probably yell at you. <laughs> Our coaches would have been like, what are you doing? <laughs> you're not here to compete. We're here to ride better. And so you get so much more focus on you as a rider. And certainly they are trying to help you ride that track better, which makes sense. You're there on this specific track. They're going to, of course, give you pointers for these particular corners on the racetrack you're on. But it's never about doing better than your co-track um, you know, mates. It's never about going faster than you did before, you know, unless it's not safe, unless you're riding so slow, you're not safe. But it's never about competing. It's more, I guess it's competing with yourself, like trying to do better the next time and try practicing your skills better the next time you go out and try something different. You know, it's, it's a lot like, you know, MSF was in that when you go through the exercises, you know, I would give you some coaching, like next time try breaking a little sooner or whatever. And then you would go and try that. So there's a lot of focus on practice and doing better. And who doesn't want that when you're out riding, right? And uh, it was just amazing. I had really great time. And they also do a little more for you. Like they feed you in the morning. So there's breakfast and then they feed you again at lunch. And you don't get that at track days. <laughs> you got to bring your own snacks and nutrition. Yeah. Was and that New Jersey? At New Jersey Motorsports. Mm -hmm. They come here twice a year. So they came two weeks ago, a week ago. They're coming back in two weeks. And they spend a week here because they have one and two day classes. And I did not ride their fancy BMWs because that class is a little more expensive. I just rode my own because one of my goals was I want to ride my bike better. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to race it. I just want to ride it better and get to know it a little bit more because I feel like I just haven't uh, really, I don't know, I just haven't totally figured that bike out yet. And spending time with these guys really made it a lot better. Um, I, I still have a lot of practice to do, but I just feel more comfortable on it. And I feel like... I know what's expected of me on this particular bike. So mm -hmm. it was just awesome. You know, they were so nice. They answer all your questions. You never feel like they're not going to help you if you have a question. You know, they're not just going to ignore you. There's always time to chat with somebody and get an answer. And for me, that's really important to be able to ask your questions and get an answer without feeling so like you're bothering them. Tech support took the school as well, right? 
Who did? <laughs> tech support. He took the school he as well, husband. right? Yes. So we did it <laughs> my, together. My pet, I should say my pet name for, for <laughs> Joanne's husband, Evan, is tech support. <laughs> well, I have other names for him, but um, yes. I know, but that's together. the only safe name I have for it. <laughs> yes. So, Mr. Don, we... We did together, which was another thing we've been wanting to do is to do a track day together again. So he had a great time, too. He really loved it. Uh, if you followed my Instagram feed, you saw a few photos. I have a few more I will share. Um, before we showed up to the track day, we also prepped our bike. Before we went to our track day, we had to get the bikes ready. So somebody had a new rear shock to put on. So we had to do that. He actually did that himself before we got to Moto Guild. Wow. Um, well, usually it's pretty easy. Like my bike was easy. It's really two bolts. All you have to do is hmm. get the bike elevated, uh, you know, uh, basically on a center stand of some sort <clears throat> or suspend the wheels, you know, from the ceiling or something to get the weight off the shock. And then you just take the bolts out and it drops out. His was a little bit more intensive, so his took a little bit more effort, but um, he was able to do it at home. What we mainly wanted to do at Moto Guild was change our tires. So I learned how to use a tire changer and change my tires. And so I put on some little bit stickier tires, but I'm not putting on like slicks or anything. There's still a good street tire. I put on Michelin's Power RS's and they were great on the track. So change my oil changed my tires, did a little cleanup, um, you know, a little check my chain, just check things. Like I found out for some reason that my front axle bolts uh, were loose, and I have no idea why. Jesus, that's really so, good to note before you take a track day. <laughs> well, you just check everything. Make sure your brakes are working. <laughs> yeah. Make sure. Slightly important. Front wheel comes off. plugged in. You know, yeah, it was it was good. So it, you know, kind of looked everything over, changed my oil. That's super easy, uh, super cheap. You know, it's like twenty dollars to buy oil. It's five dollars to buy a filter, and it takes you half an hour, literally, to change out the oil and put in the new stuff. Like it's just so easy. Well, at least on our bikes, it's super Unless easy. Unless you have a bunch of skid plates and other things involved. And then it's uh, Correct. A, a little bit more time and some curse words. Correct. But I don't have such fancy things. So it was very easy. It was fun. So we yeah. did all that little pre-maintenance and then um yeah, and then we borrowed the Revzilla trailer. It's another perk of working at Revzilla. And awesome. We, I was gonna ask about that. Yeah, we have a trailer for use. So loaded them up, which is kind of a, a ordeal for us because we don't have a driveway. We don't have the space to store a trailer. So we kind of mm -hmm. had a lot of back and forth, but it was still great. You know, we took a little time, loaded up, got out there. And, um, and by the way, if you're looking for an awesome folding motorcycle trailer, there's a company called Kendon. And I think they're the only ones who make motorcycle-specific trailers that fold in half not in half, but like the bottom third of it folds. So then you can stand it up in your garage and store it. Awesome. Yeah. Super handy. Cause it has a wheel chalk built into them too. So you don't even have to add that. And it has like the tie down bolts where you want them. So it's just a great stand. The problem is they're like three grand. 
but you can find sure. the old old versions used for like fifteen hundred bucks. Craigslist or if you're stuff. near if you're near a U-Haul, twenty bucks a day. Or you can do a U-Haul. The problem with U-Haul for us is they won't rent out the U-Haul trailers to soft top uh, vehicles. Really? Yes. So huh. uh, you have to have a hard top, and I think also blazers or i can't remember there's some other suv that they won't you can't get a u-haul trailer with so yeah it's kind of a whole thing so for now this works uh we're going to borrow another trailer again in two weeks and go back so once you get through the first level then you get to go to the level two and what's interesting or different about this particular school too is it doesn't matter how good you are you still have to do level one can't do their level two three or fours until you finish one even if you're an amateur road racer like this other guy who was there on a bmw s1000 clearly he was experienced and clearly he was better than anyone in the group but he still had to go through this level before going to the next one so they do want you to go through their curriculum before you move on I found that a little, I found that interesting and I, I don't, I would say it didn't get in my way. Like I didn't find it to be a problem. Uh, I didn't think it ruined, you know, changed my day or inconvenienced me or anything. Um, just to be mixed in with a varied group of experience levels. Um, no, I, I mean, it was fine. I didn't really notice. The only thing that was noticeable was when he would come down the straightaway behind you and you would Mm -hmm. just hear it because his pipes are open there's they're not it's not a street bike so it was just you could hear it just loud like a jet engine and then you knew he was coming (laughs) up behind you but he would go around you on the inside and then cut over to the outside and then take that first right corner it was inspiring like to watch him like ah i'm gonna do that not that fast, but I passed a few people, passed a few different people in different corners, depending on what the traffic was like. Because, you know, you'd catch up. There's just certain corners where you'll catch up to a group of people because it's a slower corner or it's a harder corner. And so there'll be like five people there and then you leave and then there's like no one. So well, a few corners I passed different people because there were some people in the group, I'd say, who are a little bit more green and definitely weren't as um, experienced as far as either track or technical riding. So I, I, I'd like to think that I was in the middle-ish kind of in the group, but it was, it was great. Like had, had a great time, met some, whoops, met some really cool people. Um, yeah, it was really fun and I can't wait to go back. So I want to go one more time to just use the tires again, at least because <laughs> bought these new tires want to be able to use them again and get a little bit of my money back there and uh yeah you know it's not an it's not an i would say not a poor man's uh activity so it's good (laughs) if you can get a little as much of your money out of it absolutely yeah because somebody bought a suit so yeah i need to get one I think for my next one, but somebody got a very sexy suit and, uh, I mean, he'll have it for like 10 years. I don't think he'll ever buy another one, you know, depending how many track days we do, but figure I should get more use out of that, <laughs> get use of the tires, you know, 
Awesome. Yeah. So it was amazing. So, I highly recommend. So going from sport bike to sport bike, something else that you did in the time away from recording the podcast um, was yes. uh, was being a part of the sport bike rally. Yes. So I went, so two weeks ago, I went out, flew out to LA. I luckily, ever so luckily borrowed my bike basically from a friend who lives right at the airport and he let me borrow it for the two days I was there. I rode it from LAX out to Big Bear where the rally was. Uh, the, the West Coast rally is their third year. So they've only been doing it for three years now. About 60 people or so. So not it's growing. It was actually twice as many people as last year that attended. And we had a nice, nice grouping of girls um, right in Big Bear Village. And I've never been up there before. It's reminded me a lot of Lake Tahoe, like South Lake Tahoe. You know, like a little resort town. Because I think normally in the wintertime, people are skiing and snowboarding there. And that's kind of like the winter getaway, I guess, for Southern California people. And, um, yeah, got to ride in traffic. It was great. It took me six hours to go 100 miles because it was Ugh. really hot. I was really, really hot, and then there was just a lot of traffic. So even though I took the HOV lanes, it was still slow, kind of slow, and just took a while. But, um, you know, I rolled in around, like, early dinner time, and uh, it was actually, oh, well, it was just great to be able to ride a mountain like that. So if you've ever, if, you're, if you live in California or Southern California anyway, you know, Big Bear Mountain, it's, it's wonderful. There's like five really cool twisty roads that start as far west as Angeles Crest. And then along 210, I think there's like three different highways you can take to get up to the mountain. And I got to ride I think two of them and they were awesome. They were just so twisty and they were <laughs> so smooth and you miss things that twist huh and straight philly so great uh it was just fantastic and on his bike of course it was fantastic because it was like riding my bike and it was awesome and he has better farkles than i do and he has a different seat and it was just interesting to ride someone else's version of my bike it was mm -hmm. great it was awesome and a uh, shout out to his company because he works just really quick. He works for an awesome nonprofit called Rubicon, Team Rubicon. And they go out and they basically volunteer efforts to help with disaster cleanup, disaster relief. So they help with Hurricane Sandy. They went out and helped with the tornadoes in, was it in Kansas? Um, camera at Joplin you know they've been all over the country and they basically follow kind of what FEMA does and help to help uh, people in the community after big disasters natural disasters it's awesome majority of their force is made up of veterans or um uh yeah just veterans and uh, who either work there or or volunteer with them they're just a great organization check them out when you have a chance team Rubicon so. so any Farkles that he had installed on his motorcycle <laughs> that you're contemplating adding to yours? Yes. Um, <laughs> I knew it. But I, I'm i not going to rush out and, and add these things just yet. But, yeah, they're, you know, now I have some good ideas for things I want. He basically had all the Rizoma Farkles you would want. Sliders. Ah, yes. Rear sets. 
mirrors, everything. It's just so pretty. So yes, at some point in time, I will add a few of those farkles, but Rizoma is not a inexpensive investment. So maybe I just do like one or two Rizoma things, but there's other farkles I actually do want that I need that I need to get done, but I'll probably spend a little less money and get some like just some other brands like some RNG for sliders and maybe different rear sets but oh yeah it was great he he had his bike set up a little bit differently for track riding too so that was different so yes lots of farkles and the biggest thing that I noticed which I th I didn't even think about is that my seat is a aftermarket seat well, it's a non-stock seat, so it's a really? sports seat, yes. So it makes my bike taller because it was noticeably shorter to sit on his bike. And he's heavier than I am, so his rear suspension is certainly set for him. So clearly the suspension wasn't too soft. His seat is just different. And just having a seat change really makes a difference because what it did is it dropped my butt. So my butt went down like half an inch or so, maybe a little more to where my right foot was lower on the ground because my right foot is barely on the ground on mine. So his seat, it was just shaped different. It was a stock um, Triumph, a street triple seat, a non-R. And, and I, I was like, wow, this is, this is great. Who knew? It's just that slight, slight difference without lowering anything. It was just the lower seat and... There, there I had it. So it was comfortable and definitely different than what I was used to. But it was great. Hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, we had dinner, so that was fun. Got to have a little meal in L.A. somewhere. I don't know where we were. That was awesome. Uh, of course, we grabbed, uh, you know, burritos because... <laughs> Well, Mexican food is the one thing that I, Joanne consistently says, oh, the Mexican food in Philly is just not the way it used to be in California. Please, anywhere. Well, it's, just, uh, it's different. You know, it's different. And uh, I miss my Cali Mex. You know, it's what I grew up with. It's what I miss. It's what I had in the womb. Cause my mom ate tacos while she was pregnant with us. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just miss the home. To me, it's home food to go home and have Mexican mm -hmm. in Cali because it's what I grew up with and it's what I'm used to and it's what I miss. So, yeah, I had to get all that I could in. This was actually my first stop in when I got to L.A. So when I got there to pick up his bike, his battery died. So he rode his bike in that morning, but when we went to start it, it just wouldn't. It wasn't even beginning to turn. There was just <laughs> silence. So luckily, shout out to Cycle Gear in Hawthorne part of LA I can't remember what uh -huh. neighborhood it was it was only five miles from the airport and they had one and I called he held it for me till I got there done came back dropped it in done super easy super super easy changing batteries like probably the easiest thing you can do on your bike just unplug drop in done it was great that was my only yeah. my only hiccup Everything else was fantastic. Yeah. Well, I similarly had a battery hiccup. Um, That's right. But uh, uh, we'll we'll get to that um, <laughs> right after right after I discuss your uh, your next track bike. 
I'm which not is, get a track bike. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is the the Suter MMX 500. Um, All right, what is this? It is a it is a kind of a, a one off limited run MotoGP spec bike. Oh God! It is a two stroke, <laughs> water cooled 500 cc that has been uh, modified to be about 576 cc, uh, four cylinder. Nice. Uh, 195 horsepower at about 13,000 RPM. And uh, that bike is uh, about $140,000 available to the public, of course. Electronic fuel injection, um, all your your basic dry clutch, six-speed. And, uh, and that, I can see Joanne on that for sure. Carbon fiber, Mm -hmm. fuel tank, and body work. Brembo brakes, magnesium mm. wheels, Olean suspension, mm. lots of CNC machined aluminum, um, Arch Motorcycle. So the brand that's owned by Keanu Reeves is the distributor, the U.S. distributor for that motorcycle. They had one of them on display at World Superbike, the World Superbike round in Monterey at Laguna Seca. And they will be doing a press launch, I think sometime between now and the end of the year, um, at Laguna Seca. And reportedly, King Kenny is going to be uh, one of the folks involved with that press launch. So Kenny Roberts will be riding around Laguna Seca on a two-stroke 576cc motorcycle. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about the, the press launch. And of course, you know, for a bike that is that custom, what's your press fleet consist of? Like two motorcycles? <laughs> I can't imagine so. for a custom bike you would have so many uh, press bikes, but it should be interesting. But um, yeah, not. so so my trip up to GP um, or not GP uh, World Superbike, uh, always good times. Got to stay with my my friend in Carmel Valley. Got to check out the updated offerings at Moto Talbot, uh, the museum run by Robert Talbot and curated by Bobby Weindorf in Carmel Valley. If you're up there, definitely give it a check. They had, uh, um, I think, Kenny Roberts Yamaha. They had Wayne Rainey's, uh, one of Wayne Rainey's bikes. They have the original Ducati, the first proper motorcycle that Ducati made. Um, so... Saturday of Superbike was so excruciatingly hot. Hmm, if you plan your clothing, uh, do not look up Monterey and look up the weather because everyone that I talked to, uh, in addition to myself, planned for upper 60s. Foggy. Climate. Cool. Foggy. And even if you type in Laguna Seca, like, I don't think they properly have a thermometer um, mm-hmm. somewhere out by Laguna Seca because it similarly said 60s. So, you know, pants, uh, I think I packed like, you know, short sleeve with some layers and it had to have been 90s and it was unbelievably hot. Fortunately, I knew a, a lot of folks who kept passing me water bottles, drink, drink this, drink this. And uh, I must have reapplied sunscreen twice. I was pretty lucky I didn't get too burned, but there are a couple of sections. Um, and it was just, 
you know, I've become a little bit of a, of a, a softy, if you will, because I've kind of like my day to day is being inside an air conditioned office, overly air conditioned office, in fact, to a point where you'd no doubt see me uh, wearing a parka inside my office at any given point. And so when I am experiencing heat, I just, I can't hang with, you know, mid to upper nineties heat all day long. It just wears me out. So by the time Saturday evening came along, even though I was fairly hydrated, I had a migraine. Mm -hmm. I had this, you know, kind of long, short day on Sunday because the, the, problem for most people working stiffs like myself hmm. is that uh we we ride up friday so we're giving a day on friday to get up to monterey and then on sunday world superbike races are always at 2 p.m so there's really no way that you can get back to los angeles and and catch that race um at a, at a nice hour so i i knew that i was going to have a short day sunday and given the weather the day before had no idea whether it was going to be like that the next day, but I was just so worn out. I said, forget it. You know what? Saturday is worth the racing. Unfortunately, it's going to have to be good enough for me. And I left early Sunday, uh, rode down with, uh, with another gal who lives in Ojai and rides a scrambler. And the two of us came down. I had battery issues when I left Carmel Valley, but I was on a hill. So we got that bump started. Um, I stopped a couple of times after that for gas and for breakfast and did not have any battery issues when I restarted the Triumph. And then once I took off from Carmel Valley, we went straight shot down to King City and then pit stopped uh, for her to use the restroom. Bike wouldn't start. That was at least an hour and some change that I was on the road, theoretically recharging the battery as I was riding. So I was uh, definitely a little pissed and um, found a, uh, because I'm not equipped with the Allen wrenches that I need because I was not showing any issues uh, of battery whatsoever before I left in the, in the week or the couple of weeks. Like I hadn't seen battery issues in months. So the two Ducatis that I saw at the station had some Allen wrenches. So I was able to use the Allen wrench to pop the seat off and get to the battery, pop all my gear off. And then there was a tow truck driver who gave me a jump. And, uh, so the Ducati guys took off, tow truck driver took off. I have the bike in neutral side stand down. I'm putting all the crap back on. Uh, we stopped it by the way, the flattest part of King city as if there was ever any, um, elevation or hills there it's totally flat and like like an idiot who was hot frustrated and really upset that she was having battery drama so far from home the side stand was down and i put the bike in first and the bike died instantly and i just the waterworks were almost just as fast as the bike dying <laughs> instantaneously start crying <laughs> because everyone who had all the tools i needed <laughs> just left. And unfortunately I had to learn the hard truth that, um, both AAA and AMA roadside do not jump motorcycles. Even if you swear that you will sign a release of liability, mm -hmm. they refuse to, uh, start motorcycles. We tried to run, start the bike a couple of times. Um, it's seriously the flattest 
and finally uh, sweating to death and just looking so pathetic. And no one stepping in, by the way, to say, hey, do you ladies need, a, you know, need any assistance? Um, I was running on a, basically bitch walking on the bike because I am not so skilled as to run alongside a motorcycle and then jump on. Mm. Um, I thought I might be able to get enough speed and go under the overpass and uh, no dice. The thing pretty much like engine braked right as soon as I popped it into uh, um, third, second. So she helped me push over to a Carl's Jr., and at that point I was on the phone, you know, with my buddy because, uh, AAA wouldn't help and AMA wouldn't help. And I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I'm like, are you absolutely certain that you think it's a battery? There isn't any other Farkle on this motorcycle that is throwing up, you know, gang signs. It is absolutely the battery. And he's like, yeah, pretty much. I mean, without looking at it, he's like, I'm 90% sure it's your battery. And when I was talking to him and just getting super frustrated, I kind of tilted my head back and I looked and it said AutoZone. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God, I got to go. <laughs> I immediately run over to the AutoZone, which is like a football field away, fully geared up and find that they have a motorcycle battery. And it was like, oh, the sky opened up, the lights shone battery. down. Huh? That just the fact they had your specific battery too. Well, and just one that was compatible. I mean, well, that... me too. Like when I found the one, it was he had only one. And it's <laughs> yeah. Like, as a triumph, but how how lucky is that? Yeah, I don't know how how many batteries they actually had there total. I didn't. I didn't even. I was just so focused on the fact that he had something that would fit. As I'm carrying this like burly battery, you know, across a football field of parking lot. And so what was even nice, nicer is that, of course, you know me, travels, uh, uh, my Indian name is Travels With No Tools because my bike has never presented any reason for me to carry an entire tool chest. Me but we're slowly inching towards yeah. that reality um, between the BMW and the Triumph. Uh, I, I said, yo, um, I think I need to like, do you have any extra tools or should I be buying, you know, this and this? Because on the uh, the previous battery that I have, um, there was a bolt and a nut. So I had to use um, a, a wrench, and then I had to use like a needle nose pliers to hold on to the nut so I could screw the bolt into it underneath. It was a little bit complicated. Mm. And um, so I was prepared to, you know, buy some tools to actually install this battery. He was like, oh, dude, no worries. Like, I have this, you know, toolbox, uh, feel free to just, you know, borrow what you need and bring it back when you bring back the, the other battery. And I was like, all right, fair enough. So, uh, so I grabbed a couple of things and then I, I literally like texted my girlfriend, start stripping everything off the motorcycle. You know, we got this, let's go do this, you know, uh, have it ready and I'll just drop the, the battery in. So I get there, put the battery in. Uh, I send her to ride with the scrambler over to drop off the battery and the tools. And sure enough, that, that fucker starts up. So I was just like, oh, so, I mean, as disappointed as I was to hear that, uh, despite liability and all the sign off that AMA and AAA, uh, refused to help the bottom line was if they would have restarted my battery, I would have between King city and Los Angeles needed to have gassed up again. So I would have either have had my motorcycle on while putting in gas, which would have been 
very scary based on the fact that I tend to be a little bit drippy every once in a while when I fill it up. Um, and I probably would have needed that again. So I'm, I'm actually kind of glad for once that I got shut down and really happy that she decided to choose a shell station to pee at that was uh, within a stone's throw of an auto zone. Because if you've been out to King City off the 101, there's really Nothing. not a whole lot of stuff around there. No. Like it's a giant, it's a giant crapshoot. So um, I got super lucky. Uh, and, and at that point I was already having a rough day. So I was just like, you know, this way too much drama for what I wanted this morning. Um, we went to another service station stop to fill up and then she went her separate way. And then I, uh, looked over and saw about 15 or 20, uh, motorcyclists that were queued and something was wrong with the bike over there. So I decided, you know, what, here's a good time to take a, a bit of a Gatorade break and and I texted a friend of Joanne's and mine to see if she was home because she lives in Cambria. And uh, in that time, met these, uh, these, these group of riders, and they were coming from San Bernardino. And the girl with the sport bike was having a, a, a leaky tire issue. Um, she had a little cut in her tire, and it was they were trying to, um, to patch it long enough so that she could get somewhere safely. And... Uh, so our Joanne and mine's friend got back to me. So we set up a little lunch date in uh, Cambria so I could kind of leave on a high note. And sure enough, when I took off, I looked behind me and saw the 15 or 20 Harleys uh, behind me uh, on the road towards Cambria. And when I left Cam after lunch, I was getting on the freeway back on uh, 101 in um, San Luis Obispo-ish area. And sure enough, 20 Harleys burn right by me. And so they end up going down 101 in the uh, two by two formation. And because I'm with a, a giant group of riders, which for the most part, uh, they were totally fine to ride with. No one was, you know, riding like a maniac. And of course, it doesn't matter if you're on a Harley or a sport bike. If, if, if I feel like you're not going to be a good group to hang with, I'm certainly not going to stick around um, because I'd, I'd just as well uh, travel on my own. And so not knowing when they would stop or if there was any uh, issues, since I was the very last person because I'm pushing like an 800 and some change CC engine up against 1,200 CC Sportsters, I literally was in the middle. So you have this perfect uh, uh two file line and then i am dead set in the middle so if anyone hit the brakes really hard i am in the middle so theoretically i could go all the way through so it was kind of funny i held on for as long as i could um and uh queen queen in the back of the pack and uh i needed to go get gas and they kept going so that was that was a trip and and when they saw me they're just like hey so we gave each other the, what's up so it was kind of fun, uh, fun drive on the way back. And, um, yeah, I mean, the other stuff that I've been doing while Joanne's been sport, sport bike rallying and track daying is being an assistant camera on the ground at some of the pro motocross events, the, the Lucas Oil uh, motocross rounds. So I went to Redbud, which is a pretty famous track out in Michigan. And, uh, definitely if you're, if you want to check out a motocross round and you want to party it up, hang with some like-minded, crazy, enthusiastic people, 
then I highly recommend making the trek out to Redbud, which according to some of my other motorcycle buds out here in the industry, that is like the preeminent track for motocross in, um, in the United States. And I would tend to agree with that. Um, a lot of really cool wooded sections. You can camp. Um, there's uh, just kind of a variety of, uh, of landscape to be around out there. And I think typically the red bud round is around July 4th every, uh, every year. So that also plays a, a factor into it, but, uh, got a lot of pit shots and, um, you know, try to shoot things that are slower than motorcycles just to, to acquaint myself with photography. Um, I did take a, a seven week class in Los Angeles just to kind of teach me the basics because like most people, I've kind of been going through life using the auto button and never really learned the dynamic between ISO shutter speed and, um, aperture. And so I wanted to take a class that just kind of taught me the basics. So I would have a better understanding of photography. And so I was, uh, shooting Redbud, and then, uh, some of my photos made onto the, uh, the racer X gallery. And then I as well shot with Shubel, which was outside of Portland. Um, well, Shubel's actually in Washington, but it's about Northeast of Portland across the river. And I shot that about a, a weekend or two back. So that was also, uh, quite fun. And Let's see what's next on the horizon. Well, I mean, birthday's coming up in the fall. So, of course, mm. there's an international trip that I'm working on. So, once once we get a little closer and once I have my details hammered out, I'll be happy to share, but uh I will say that mm, it will be across I will say that it will be across the pond. <laughs> so, there's that. I kind of know where you're going. <laughs> Sounds awesome. I want to go. Sounds yeah. fun. Actually, while you're doing that, because that's going to be early to mid-September, right? It's like yeah, exactly. The week of the fifth or sixth, right? Something around there. Correct. Something. We're gonna go back out to the sport bike rally at Deals Gap. I'm so excited. Nice. But we'll not be driving. We're gonna haul ass in the jeep because I can't leave until the day before. Mm-hmm. So we're just gonna pavement slab it with the jeep and the trailer and then then we get there we'll be riding so at least oh. I don't have to, yeah because then i don't have to painfully get on the interstate for eight hours i can't do it i just can't i can do an hour here and there but i can't do an all-day slab ride there's just mm. i'd much rather be in the jeep with maybe the top down or something it's gonna be great Awesome. And you said we, so you're taking, uh, you're taking tech support. Tech support. <laughs> well, yeah, it's our vacation. So our next vacation is awesome. basically the rally and deals gap. And we're going to meet some friends and of course the old friends from the rally and then ride around. He's never been to the dragon. So what? Well, we, no. I, I, I mean, my first time was two years ago at the women's sport bike rally. So yeah. we just, you know, it's, 800 miles to get down there and if you don't slab it's more like a thousand if you take wow. fun roads so um it, you need a couple days like two to three days to be able to ride it down there in a fun way and not the want to kill yourself way so you know our last our last riding vacations were to west virginia and virginia we didn't go all the way down to north carolina so It'll be his first time on the Dragon, and then, of course, Aww. we're going to ride the better roads that are out of the Dragon, because the Dragon's overrated. 
So we're going to ride around the dam. And North Carolina just has incredible riding. You don't need the dragon to go riding down there. Not at all. Nope. So that'll Asheville. be our next vacation. Yeah. So Thumbs up for trapping. Asheville and the Blue Ridge Mountains, which, by the way, yeah. Blue Ridge, uh, as I was plotting another okay. trip, which, which won't be happening, um, I had no idea that the Blue Ridge Parkway just went on forever. Yeah, it goes all the way down through to, like, the next couple states or whatever. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that particular route that I mapped out will have to happen at some point in the future, but I just couldn't get the um, the media coverage to be able to support uh, that ride this time around. But, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to, at some point, doing it across country, across the U.S., that's on the bucket list. Mm-hmm. You and me both definitely want to do mm-hmm. that too. Um, yeah. So those are the only two vacations. Though the last one, really the last two things, major things we have planned for the rest of the year. After that, it's just going to be random rides here and there, you know, like quick overnights, but that's it. I'll be around. So hopefully that means we can record more. <laughs> we shall see. Yeah. Um, what what else we got? A couple things. Um, um, well, I would say the the BMW uh, twelve hundred, the R twelve hundred GS recall mm-hmm. has been uh, a long time coming. I've seen lots of pictures and complaints of uh-huh. uh, of people who own R twelve hundred. So this is the, just the water cooled. So November twenty thirteen and on the water cooled GS. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, how. <laughs> How how rough can you play with your R1200 GS or GSA? Because uh, apparently the fork buckling issue has been uh, a problem for the last four years or so. And fork buckling. Um, Ooh, that well, bad. they've had they've had some fork issues um, specifically. Let's see, the UK recall um, is for. Uh, fixing the fork tubes which may dam- get damaged from hard impact which is precisely what you do with a with a R1200 GS and an R1200 GSA <laughs> mm-hmm. so um if you have uh I'm, I can't remember whether or not the uh, the recall has been issued for the US market yet but I- I'm fairly certain it has and um that would basically affect between that would affect over a hundred thousand motorcycles um because it's basically every water-cooled gs that's been made since they switched over to water-cooled liquid-cooled so there's that um, i'm sure there's another recall that i'm forgetting because it's been a little while since we have um recorded but um if you're in possession of a gs or a gsa that's liquid-cooled you might want to, uh, yeah, I would hope so. I, I would say that if there's that serious of a fork issue, it might be a, a stop ride. But um, at any rate, I guess, uh, let's see, what's ongoing now? Sturgis. <clears throat> if you happen to be enjoying this year's Sturgis rally and you get back, feel free to give us a little update as to what your experience was like. I think there is a 
women specific camp out and kind of mm-hmm. uh, party associated with Sturgis this year, mm-hmm. organized by Leticia Klein. So that should be interesting to hear feedback from that. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have a, uh, uh, someone contacted you with regards to um, working Ooh. for Revzilla. Dropping stuff. <laughs> the, uh, the working for Revzilla email that you had. Yeah, someone asked me um, about basically leaving California, moving to the East Coast was more what she was also wondering about. Excuse me. And kind of the, I guess, my experience of moving here from there. And then how's the riding compare? And how does winter compare? Um, so she's really more think asking me about my move and then riding here. Um, Tracy, thanks for your email. Uh, I work full-time in our showroom. So if you go to the website, you go to revzilla.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, any page, and there's a link to showroom. Click on that, and that's our store. And that's the only Revzilla store because it's attached to the company office. And that's pretty much what I do 40 hours a week, five days a week. So work in the store, sell you some gear, show you how it fits, all that good stuff. So that's what I've been doing since day one, since I got here. Uh, I do a couple other random things in the company, like I'll write an article every now and then for Common Tread teach a class every now and then that's my main role and moving here was certainly an adjustment from bay area certainly the riding does not compare at all so you have to be you have to be prepared to leave the riding you had and adjust to the riding that you don't have here um it it will change your it it might change your riding um what's the word i'm looking for I guess you're riding lifestyle. So if you are like me or I don't know what you ride, but you know, I'm, I was riding a sport bike there and I rode a lot there. I rode to work every day, uh, in San Francisco. I went riding as often as I could. I definitely averaged more miles living there cause there's more riding and I can ride quicker. I mean, I can take shorter rides and I don't have to go as far. And so my riding's completely flip-flop now to now my riding is predominantly traveling and sport touring. And I do very little city riding, if any. Actually, I try to avoid it. I really do not like riding my motorcycle around town here. And I travel. So I'll go to the rally, go do a track day, go overnight and leave the city as much as I can because the city of Philadelphia for riding is not great. I would consider it not good. At least by California standards, it's terrible. It's great if you're around here because there's a couple of cute little roads. But when you're a California person, none of the riding here compares to what we had. And so you have to leave the city. You have to be prepared to get on your bike for an hour, at least on the freeway or an hour and a half off the freeway to get out to some back road riding of some sort. And even then, there's no such thing as a Alice's. So if you live in the Bay Area... Well, yes, you're in Alameda. So there's no such thing as a 35 or an 84 or Skyline Drive or anything like that. 
it's just very different. So you have to leave the state, I would say, or you just have to get out of the Philadelphia region. And so that's, for me, a good hour or two. And I'd say two to three hours to really find some good mountainous riding because it's pretty flat until you get out uh, either north toward New York or west toward the rest of the state because Philadelphia is in the lower right-hand corner. You know, it's a big rectangle. And all the decent riding is way out in the eastern side or the middle of the state. So it really disrupts your riding lifestyle and what you're used to. Um, I'm okay with that. I, I just try to maximize the riding time that I do have. So, you know, I just try to make the most of, of, of the riding that I do have access to and then the traveling. So lots of week trips, as many overnight trips as I can do, you know, leave Saturday night, come back Monday kind of thing. That's all just really adjusting my riding. And the season's are actually a lot better than I expected because just where Philadelphia lies between two rivers and this close to the ocean, we are sheltered from a lot of the winter, extreme winter conditions that everyone else experiences in the rest of the state. So when you look at radar maps and you look at the weather, like say there's a tornado or something in Kansas, you'll notice that after you know, or a hurricane, you'll notice that after these storms, when they leave the middle of the country, they kind of go diagonal up to Maine. And so Philadelphia is never in the middle of these storms. We're usually like on the edge. So there'll be a big storm in upper Pennsylvania, but then the kind of the the edges of it will cover Philadelphia. And so we don't get hit hard like New York, like the border of Pennsylvania, New York, they get miserable weather, snow, rain, more cold. And we get just the edges of that. So our weather is way better than I expected. In fact, we're riding about 10 months out of the year, I would say almost 11. Like this last season, it was really warm. And people were riding in February, like a day here or there, you know. So the weather's been very sporadic and unpredictable, probably because of the climate change that we're experiencing in the rest of the the country and the world. So it's actually pretty good in that regard. And if you have a big sport tour like um, an RT, <laughs> like an R1200R or an R1200RT or an R1200RS, you can easily get on the freeway for an hour and then go find some riding. But if you're on like a little 250, you're on a naked sporty like me and, and slabbing is so not comfortable, then be prepared for the kind of riding that I experience and what I describe because it's, it's just not fun to ride my bike for an hour on the freeway. So there's definitely been some changes and compromise, but I... I've learned to uh, really kind of appreciate and and love the riding that I can do, which is the traveling, because I really do like traveling. I like getting on the bike and and going to different states and exploring different cities and towns. I just don't want to do it on the freeway. But as long as I have the time to, like, you know, create a route that takes me away from 
the interstate, then it's pretty fun. And I've seen some cool things. I've visited some fun towns, as evidenced in episode 95, <laughs> if you listened to our last episode. So it's just changed. It changes your your expectations a little bit, but I think in a good way. And now I'm a more sport touring person than I was before. So, and I'm doing more track days. So that, yeah, that right there has changed. So if I get into track days more than that, I'm fine by that. I'm totally fine with that too. But I would, I, right now I'm not, I'm not going to give up sport touring for track days because I like to travel. And so it's just a different mindset and a totally different style of riding. And I'm not going to give that up because I really like seeing things and going places. And I like that part of motorcycling. And then when I go to the track, I do that kind. So you're just going to find yourself maybe balancing out what you like to do and find new ways to do it, depending on what you got. So that's what's happened to me. And I'm still here and I don't know... I don't know what's going to happen in the next five years. Who knows? I might still be here. I I have no plans. I just am taking it year by year. And as long as I love my job, which I do, then I am here. Yay. Oh, shout out to Revzilla. Thanks. So, yeah. If you get here, Tracy, let me know. I'll show you around. <laughs> <laughs> Not that bad. You'll take take her on a ride of interconnected driveways outside of uh, Philly. Yes, pretty much. Yep, show you all the hot spots. So, oh, other thing I want to quickly mention, which I will hopefully write up on my blog this week, is I took a new helmet for a spin on the track, and it was so great. If you're looking for a track helmet, the Bell Ray Star is fantastic. Assuming it fits you, of course, it's a very intermediate to very long oval, very long oval, but it's phenomenal on the track. I, I took it out for 20 minutes and it was great. I was able to borrow one from our internal Revzilla um, demo closet and I loved it. If I get into buying track gear, I will probably buy one because it was wonderful on the track. That's a Bell Race Star. I will post a little something about that this week. Mm. So as a, as a helmet person, do mm. you, um, well, and as a gear seller, as far as uh, stuff on the floor and stuff that um, Revzilla may have in their stock, what's the oldest manufacturer date of helmets that Revzilla would sell? Uh, I, I have no way to answer that. Because I, I, we only have our stock, like our, sure. our showroom store stock. So oh, okay. I, I don't know what all the dates are on them. Do, um, because you, when you sell helmets, it's pretty widely known that it's like five years and chuck it. Yeah, Is that what you advocate? Five years from purchase, seven years from manufacture date ah, okay. is a good guideline. Because a, a lot of dealerships and stores will have inventory that's a little older because depending on what they stock, it may not turn around quickly. So, you know, gotcha. try to make smart choices about what to stock so that there's not 20 of something we'll never sell. So try to be, um, you know, 
try to be conscious of that, but I, I couldn't, I can't really answer that. No, no worries. No, the, the seven years was new to me. I didn't know that part. I just knew the five. five And so I, I ordered something direct from bell a while ago and, uh, it, it arrived to me three years old and I was uh, Mm. a little bit upset about it. I would say something to them. I'd mention that like, Hey, you know, you have some old inventory here. This is three years old. Maybe they don't even know. Maybe they didn't realize because you got to open every box and you got to look at every one to know, or you just have to have really good inventory management to know what's new or not. But, um, It'll certainly depend. But yeah, I definitely take a look inside your helmets when you do purchase them to see what the manufacture dates are. The majority of well-known brands, just your everyday, everything from a belt to a showy to a ride, there should be a production date in there. You, if there yeah. isn't, yeah, then it's typically you're... either inside or on yes. the very back um, outside. Yeah, most of the time, it's it, there's a sticker on the EPS somewhere behind your helmet liner. Um, I would say only very, very, very cheap helmets would withhold that information, but I don't, I don't even know that they can. I think they have to. Yeah. I've not, I've yet to see one where I couldn't find the production date someplace on the helmet, whether it's there or like awry on some of their older models, they do them on the chin strap. So just depending, you should be yeah. able to find it. So, of course, our helmet guru will also reinforce that if you see that really awesome retro helmet on ebay or craigslist or you know a shelf somewhere and you think god this 70s or 80s helmet looks so good on me i'm so excited about this purchase uh please note that it is not the exterior that might look awesome that should lead you to believe that the helmet will actually protect you it is the Mm -hmm. foam on the inside and in all honesty uh, that's the reason why they advocate five to seven years and not uh, 20 to 30 mm-hmm. because the foam will break down over time. And there's also companies making classic styles, like literally Again. copies from 1960, but they're making it this year. So yeah. you're getting the style you want. They're, they're still not going to offer the protection of a modern helmet, but they'll give you more protection than something 20 years old and they'll at least be legal DOT. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. If you have questions think... on those things, please let us know. Send in emails. We'd like to hear exactly. from you. Motorific at gmail.com or through the website. There's a contact page there. Submit questions. If you submit to one of us individually, we'll probably, you know, talk about it on the show too. So that's totally fine if you do that. Um, and of course, if there's anything you want to talk about, we hope that you will email us. And let us know. But I think that does it for us for 96. Yep. Visit us on motorfic.com. Visit us on Motorfic Podcast on Facebook. And on Instagram as Motorific Media for Christy. Gearchick for me. Find us. Chat with us. And we will do our best to come back to you in a couple weeks. Um, oh, that's my track day. <laughs> we'll figure okay, something out <laughs> in the morning we'll, we'll figure something out yeah we'll do our best to come back but we thank you for listening and we will chat with you soon thank you for your patience go ride <laughs>